Hospitality is essential. We each have a unique gift, a unique love to bring to life in and through the inspiration of the Spirit in our own lives. Hospitality, I think you could say, is very analog. It's coming offline to really experience another person. And even though our smartphones are stunningly powerful, they are highly reductionist. The human person does not come through. They hold nothing compared to the face-to-face encounter and the kind of depth of communion and interaction and the cues and the signals that we pick up on. And that all happens in hospitality and not, not on a screen. Hospitality and community are super important. And I think there are two crucial elements of Christian life that are quickly disappearing. This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. Today's episode is on hospitality, and I've written it a little differently, y'all. So you'll hear from four people on the episode, but weaved throughout it as we explore some themes of hospitality. The first theme, hospitality, is essential to the Christian life. Hospitality, I think the word can throw people off, but the essence of it, the gift of it, is essential to the Christian life. That's what I said, sister. Sister, on Youth Day, I'm a sister of life. I live in the Bronx, and I have the great joy of serving as the community's postulant director. So welcoming women into the community as kind of their first stop for living a life and discernment. So why is it essential? If you look historically in the Gospels, the Good Samaritan, being a good neighbor, hospitality is synonymous with friendly, being warm-hearted, being neighborly, being kind, being able to receive another, a guest, a visitor, or even a stranger. Christians believe so deeply in that. Sister Agnus Day sees hospitality as a way of speaking. Hospitality as a language. I think for the Sisters of Life, this language of love, this language of reverence, It can reveal the truth of the love that we are created in the image of and bring that to life and speak to another of their goodness, of their sacredness. If you get her started on it, she will go. I love hospitality because when it's done well, in a sense, when it's led by the Holy Spirit, and he's really vested in this, he's very interested in us bringing love to life creatively in and through conversation, encounter, visits, welcoming another into our hearts, that in and through that encounter, we actually, we taste eternity. Like if eternity is eternal rest in this communion of love, the Trinity, we're actually bringing that to life for each other. And yes, as Christians, as we we love each other, but also as we welcome others into that communion of love. I think that there's a deep need in the human heart for community and And hospitality is one element of actually nourishing that. This is Anna Hitchings, and her voice should be pretty easy for you to differentiate throughout the episode. Hi, my name's Anna Hitchings. I live in Sydney in Australia. A quick side note to explain how I found an Australian to be on the podcast. I recently wrote an article about the difficulties facing Catholics in the current dating scene, which went a little bit viral. Um, the response to the article was nothing short of astounding. Now I'm a regular blogger. I've been interviewed on several podcasts and I even was asked to rewrite my article for our national newspaper, The Australian. It was a great article. You're only hearing a small bit of what Anna and I talked about. But at the end, she goes, I feel like you 
and I are the same person. I literally had the exact same experience. So, yeah, she's cool. As Christians, we probably take it for granted that, you know, the church life communities that we're part of, but we actually, I think, have to work quite hard at building them up because the church was made to be a community. It wasn't made to be like a solo, individual faith journey. This is obviously how Christ intended it. And the reason for that is because we can't survive alone. You know, we need community to strengthen our faith uh, and also to strengthen the faith of our neighbor. So it actually helps us continue to be good, virtuous, devout Christians. Anna says hospitality is like step one. It comes down to basic Christian charity. What we're really seeing today is this real fragmentation in society. You look back maybe 40, 50 years, and the majority of people went to church on Sundays. That was a fairly normal thing. Society was structured around the church and church life and parish life and community. We've seen this massive cultural shift away from the church. Anna points to scripture for inspiration. You know, I try to read a bit of scripture every day. And this morning, the, um, the scriptural passage that I was reading was about the Pharisee who comes into the temple to ostensibly praise God, but he's really praising himself. Like, I give tithes, I fast twice a week, all that sort of stuff. And then the publican who, you know, beats his breast and says, God have mercy on me, a sinner. It shows that pride is self-focused whereas humility is other-focused. The Pharisee is standing tall and appearing to be speaking out and to be other-focused, whereas the publican can't even look up. He's all hunched down in on himself and beating his breast. He appears to be focused inward on himself, but it's actually the opposite is true. The Pharisee is the one who's actually focused more inwardly and, and the tax collector is actually being humble, he's actually focusing on God, not himself. That's kind of like a beautiful analogy. This is something that we can learn from being hospitable. We actually do learn to put ourselves last, or at least not to put ourselves first and not to be so focused on ourselves all the time. Basic Christian virtues are on display in hospitable people. I'm naturally a very impatient person. Like I think patience is probably the virtue I struggle with the most. So you certainly learn patience. God's own relationship among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is other-centered. It's life flowing out. It's life as gift. So once you step into the deep way of life that includes hospitality, that's this openness, you really experience a humility, a dependence on God, an other-centeredness. The virtue of charity is visible as you open your doors and serve and listen. Generosity. This is Soren Johnson, and we're going to hear from his wife, Ever, as well. My name is Soren Johnson, and this is my wife, Ever. Hi there. And we live in Leesburg, Virginia, have five children, ages 7 to 16. And we're co-founders and directors of a nonprofit called the Trinity House Community, which runs Trinity House Cafe. Ever and Soren have an apostolate of hospitality. Their interview was recorded at the cafe that they run in Leesburg, Virginia. And that creaking or clacking you hear is the audio proof that the chairs we're sitting in are practically antiques. At the cafe, we offer a warm welcome to neighbors and strangers and attentive ear and try to make them some really good food and drinks. And a lot of people say they experience peaceful respite here. We put on a lot of events, live music, art exhibits, uh, art classes, children's programs, Bible studies, all sorts of stuff. It is a nice spot. And speaking of hospitality, they fed me and made me a latte.
we really see that hospitality is a word that has lost a lot of its meaning, meaning for us today. We think of the hospitality industry, and it gets reduced, unfortunately, to restaurants and hotels and entertaining guests, which sounds a little bit like a costly or luxurious thing. When do I have time for that? But Ever and I, as we've been on this journey with Trinity House, have seen this just goes back to the beginning. We see it with Abraham and Sarah, how they hosted the three angels. That openness was instrumental in the, the people of Israel. Then Jesus commands us in Matthew 25, 35, that I was a stranger and you welcomed me. So we see this through line for well over 2,000 years. It moves way back from the beginning. I really, what I encounter so often in this culture, in this world, is people who are living lives not connected, disconnected, lives of isolation. Even the UN has identified this pandemic of loneliness. We all know in our own lives, we're not made for loneliness. We're made for communion, to be connected, to be with. And, you know, I think it's kind of sad how these days we don't seem to know how to really talk to each other anymore. I think modern technology and social media has a lot to answer for in this way. Because if you think back to previous times where hospitality was taken a lot more seriously, where people did invite you know, other people into their homes to stay for periods of time, and that has been a common element throughout human history, and that's just something we're not really seeing anymore. And a lot of young people are losing the ability to actually even properly communicate with each other because their faces are stuck in their phones all the time. So let's fix this, y'all. One way to start is by looking at models of hospitality. Hospitality really came to life for me through my grandmother. She was unbelievable. I know I'm unconditionally loved, and I knew this in and through the way that she treated and responded to me since I was a little girl. So we would come over to Grandma's house every Sunday after church, and on the counter would be waiting glass of ginger ale, powdered donuts. If you proceeded into the living room, she had laid out for us coloring books with markers that worked. She was then moved from there. If we wanted to play Rummy with Grandma, she was there waiting for us, ready to play the game, ready to teach us so patiently with such a welcome and such a graciousness. The highlight of Sister Anya's day's childhood? The best nights of my childhood were when I got to sleep over at Grandma's house. The bed was made with care and in sheets that were my favorite color. She would read us a bedtime story until she had read us all the books on the shelf, but she would so graciously spend that time, waste time with us. We'd wake up and she'd have the bacon all ready for us, all of our favorites, and then she'd send us home with a bag of candy. That is the best, right? It may not seem like a big deal, but little things can mean a lot. All of that brought to life this love that she held for me in her heart. And I think as number seven of eight kids, You can feel kind of lost in the shuffle sometimes, you know, you're number seven. But in the gaze of my grandmother, I knew I was deeply and personally loved. I have to say in my childhood, that anchored me and taught me more about the goodness of God than anything else, I think, in my childhood years. Ginger ale, cards, and candy can communicate to a child, I see you, you matter, and God loves you. Sister also experiences God's hospitality through nature. I feel so warmly received sitting 
and looking at the beach, watching the waves and listening to the waves crash onto the sand, feeling the warmth of the sun. You can feel God's hospitality towards us. You know, in nature, there's such a depth of intricacy and majesty and mystery and detail from the glory of the sun to the intricate patterns that you'd find in a wildflower. It's tremendous. It's super abundant. And in a way, I see a spirit of hospitality in that. God didn't have to do that. And yet, he created a whole playground for us to experience the peace, the rest, the glory, the harmony of creation, uh, which was a work of his heart and his hand. But to get back to human hospitality, here's Ever talking about her mom. Our house would always be, you know, where the parties took place. Partly, I think, because my mom loves a good party, but also she was always out there meeting people and bringing people home. And she did not think of hospitality as something that you do for your friends and family of your same socioeconomic status. Our parish was the downtown cathedral, and she would bring home people from all walks of life, whether they spoke English or not. People who did things that were wildly different from us, from our family, truck drivers and day laborers and people who were mentally disabled, every kind of person. And she would bring them home and make them part of our family for a time. She definitely had the broader vision of hospitality as caring for people who had needs, taking care of strangers or the needy. Ever learned from her mother's actions that hospitality is essential. We definitely admired her, and and we knew she was living out the gospel, you know? She never accused her of not walking the walk. She definitely did. And Soren's grandmother gave him a profound model of Christian hospitality. She was widowed at an early age, 59. She had a larger home right next to us, and she could have, I'm sure, kind of pursued a selfish or just a more individualistic lifestyle. But instead, she became a uh, crisis pregnancy counselor and was licensed to have women in her home. So over the decades, she had 47 women. That's not all she did. Also, she hosted a number of refugees from Eastern Europe, from other countries. So I grew up next door to kind of a United Nations of smells and cultures (laughs) and just an extraordinarily generous grandmother. And she actually had this little apartment attached to her house. For those who got to know her, she called it the prophet's chamber. She had read the story of Elijah, who was hosted for a couple years by this woman in the city of Zarephath. And that widow was poor. But through that widow's generous opening of her home, Elijah was fed, she was fed, the the widow's son was fed. Ten years ago now, I remember very distinctly, my mum got a call from one of her friends and basically said that she was walking around in the city, in, in Sydney, and had come across this family of Romanian gypsies who were basically here on a holiday visa and had basically run out of money and she couldn't take them on but she asked my mom could you take these people in anna says the obvious answer to this question would be no i'm sorry i can't my mom god bless her without even a second to question the whole anything 
asked and my mum was like, absolutely, we'll take them, like they can come and stay in our home. We didn't have any spare bedrooms in my house. You know, it was just one of those crazy situations where I think the rest of us were like, mum, what are you thinking? But for her, it was just such an obvious thing. I mean, these people, they don't have a roof over their heads. They need somewhere to stay in the meantime. And it was really memorable for me because this was Ash Wednesday. I remember it so distinctly. Anna was initially annoyed by this direct answer to a prayer. A couple of days before, I'd, I'd been praying, and I, I was like, God, you know, I want you to send me a particular penance this Lent. Like, I want something unusual to suffer. And of course, be careful what you wish for, and definitely be careful what you pray for, because I really did not see this being the answer to my prayer, which I really think it was. It was all very liturgically appropriate. So they arrived on Ash Wednesday. It was a mum and a dad, two grown-up kids, and also a sister and a brother as well. So it was like a big family. They all smoked like chimneys and they didn't speak a word of English. And we had them in our house for two weeks, which was, you know, maybe the longest two weeks of my life, actually. And the whole time, my mom and her friend and a bunch of other friends, they were trying to help them, trying to like get their visa extended. They spent all of their spare time trying to help this family. The family was around for a while, even after they moved out of the Hitchings house. And it was Palm Sunday of all days. They just vanished. Anna appreciates the example her mom gave her. I also just really love the word mum. We never use it. We should start using it, people. I really admire my mum's just immediate sense of hospitality, that she had that sense of this is being Christ-like, like opening your home to people who are in need. Now we're going to turn to hospitality in the different states of life. First, in consecrated life. As consecrated women, our hearts are made to love the world, to love universally. And as consecrated women... We live with this hospitality of heart. We seek to empty ourselves, to make room for the person in front of us, to acknowledge the person in front of us, that they may know how deeply God acknowledges them, how deeply God cares for them, how the Lord looks upon them with great love. In a way, a consecrated woman is called to mother all souls, all those within the radius of her life and of her yes. There is a long tradition of hospitality in religious communities. Even if you look at the history of religious life, Benedictine spirituality, the stories of old say when you knock on a Benedictine monastery, they all stop what they're doing. They come and they prostrate themselves at the door to welcome you as Christ. How does this work? The way that we extend ourselves to those who the Lord brings to us, whether it's a woman who's in a crisis pregnancy, whether it's a woman who's seeking hope and healing after abortion, whether it's young people who are just searching for deeper meaning, we use hospitality as a way to communicate to the person before us that they're good, that they're sacred, that they are beloved of God. And so it's actually this whole world of creative love. I had a mission for a time in New York City where I had to walk about 15 blocks from Grand Central Station to the office I was serving in. I grew up in rural Maine, so the city to me, on a natural level, isn't appealing. And I remember, okay, Jesus, I'm going to smile for you. Whatever happens, whatever I see, no matter how crazy Manhattan or man-eating Hatton, as I like to call it sometimes, seems, I'm going to smile. And so I did. So the 15 blocks, I would smile intentionally and seek to really look with love at the person and the persons I passed by and receive them and pray my rosary and smile. That is a lot of smiling. And if you've never been to New York City, let me tell you, it is rare to even make eye contact on the street there because there are so many people. 
everyone is in their own little world. Two years went by and I was walking down, I think, Park Avenue. And a woman stopped me and she said, I know you. And I'm like, wow, I, I didn't recognize her. And I'm like, gosh, can you refresh my memory? Where did we last meet? She's like, you know, we never met, but I saw you every morning walk by my store and you were smiling. And that was always a sign of God's love for me. That was so powerful for me to experience that something as small as a smile lived with intention and in love for Christ, how powerfully it can serve the people around us and bring the life of God, make him present to people's minds and hearts. Well, how about that? And then the Sisters of Life also run a retreat center in Connecticut. Here's an example of the hospitality there. A woman walked into the door of our retreat center. She had never met the sisters. She was coming to the wrong place. She was trying to get to a hope and healing retreat, so a retreat for women who are seeking healing after abortion, but at a different location. And she walked into another retreat we were having. The sisters welcomed her, sat her down, talked to her. And like this woman literally was like watching a wave of love just flood her soul. And she said, what am I experiencing? What is this peace that I feel that I haven't felt for 20 years? Who are you people? She was so blown away by the spiritual gifts and grace. The Sisters of Life also help pregnant women. Women will come to us in a crisis pregnancy. We lay out the tea, the cookies. As we receive her warmly, we receive her where she's at. It reveals to her her goodness. And so at the end of the day, we don't have to tell her not to have an abortion. In experiencing her own goodness through the warmth and hospitality in which we receive her, She's able then to recognize the dignity and the beauty of the life that she's carrying, and she chooses life. It's powerful. Hospitality is nothing casual. It's the communication of Christian love. And just like charity begins at home, hospitality begins in the convent itself. As sisters, there's a day each year. We call it our feast day. On that day, we have a special meal for that sister. We make special cards, and we decorate the refectory or the dining room in a special way. So we had a sister who was celebrating her feast day with the Trinity and she loves the beach. So we're like, oh my gosh, we have to do a beach theme. We need a palm tree. We need sand. And literally we made this decision. We walked out the door, walking down the street, Upper East Side. No joke. It was like the Lord was so on our side with this. We walked by an apartment complex And lo and behold, someone had put out on the street to be trashed this giant palm tree made out of plaster. Like clearly someone had artistic skill. And there it was for us to just (laughs) provide for our own feast day celebration. Palm tree, check. The next day we were walking by a construction site and the guy uh, yelled at us. He's like, hey, sis. He's like, you guys need some sand? We got extra sand. We're like, amen, brother. Like, yeah, we need extra sand. We're trying to create this beach theme to our celebration for this sister. And it was all kind of out of control, but it confirmed for us how deeply and how personally and how particularly God wants to love us. God really does love us that particularly. Have you asked for a palm tree lately? As Sisters of Life, we live and breathe this reality every day, and we see the power of it. And it's so awesome. We have a God who loves us so particularly and personally, and what you experience is a God who's behind you and with you and for you as you seek to do this for others. Let's turn to single people for a bit. What do we have that is special? 
what single people have that is unique to us is actually time. They have a lot more time. We have time that our married friends with kids do not. We could use it watching TV or we could make a gift of it in some way. Whether that is to babysit or to have them come and stay and just give them a rest. They've had like a busy day out shopping or whatever. And we can be mindful of making our homes family friendly, even if we don't have kids ourselves. It's a good idea for single people to have toys in the house, like to make sure they just go to maybe like a secondhand store and buy some toys so they've got something there for the kids to play with. And turning to married couples and families, Ever and Soren point out the struggle that is first accepting love and hospitality from others. This is my deepest spiritual struggle that you brought up, how to be receptive. I mean, it's so hard for my personality type. It's so easy for me to say, oh, Lord, I know what you need, and here's my plan. And he's just like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to work with this? You know, so he has spent years trying to say, no, you're, you're the child here. You receive from me. And then we'll see after that. It's really hard, especially raised in a family of 12 kids, oldest girl. You're hardwired to take care of people all the time. And letting God take care of you, is it becomes difficult. Receiving is, um, it brings us back to that moment of dependence on God at kind of Amen. the deepest level. Mm-hmm. And so if I am in daily prayer, if I am trying to go deeper in my walk with the Lord, Hopefully I'm allowing him to be my shepherd and and I shall not want. And he's providing for me as my heavenly father. If that's happening at that deep level, then I think when you walk out into the world and somebody hosts you, provides for you, then you see the connection. If that's not happening, I do think it's hard, especially in our American culture where self-reliance is so prized that it might be seen as a sign of weakness to accept something. But I think the Gospels, our faith really turns that upside down and says, the Lord is hosting us in the Eucharist. We are hosting others. It's mutual. Hospitality Mm -hmm. is always mutual. And hospitality extended by a couple can enrich their own relationship. You'll get so much for your relationship from reaching out Mm -hmm. to others that you have to look at providing hospitality as a part of the solution to any obstacles that you have in your marriage. Now, there may need to be some negotiation along the way. You know, like everything in marriage, you have to really focus a lot on communication. And you have to be so respectful of your spouse's different temperament and know that what they're bringing to the equation is really an important part. And they are seeing things or doing things differently from you. And that's a good thing. So really respecting that and building that mutual respect because you're not going to do a lot of quality hosting if your relationship isn't stable. So definitely have to tend somewhat to the relationship and have it be a relationship that works for each other and for reaching out to other people. But try not to overthink it. One thing for married couples to grasp right at the outset is to to wrestle, I think, with their idea of hospitality. Is it an ideal of perfection? Because that's impossible. Daily life, the challenges that come, the needs that we have for one another. So I think married couples can really begin by asking, what does opening our door mean to our friends, our neighbors, and not to overthink it. Stay focused on what's important. We can take it back to the moment of individual prayer with our Lord. 
true when we wake up and we pray, maybe our posture straightens up a little. We try to organize our interior thoughts a little. We focus more on the Lord. That's kind of what's happening in hosting. We want things to look better and more attentive and a little bit more in order. But in our daily prayer, we don't hold off on going to the Lord until we're perfect. If we did that, we would never we would never <laughs> enter into prayer. <laughs> right. We don't have a father who loves us conditionally because of our perfectionism. No, our father loves us as we are. So I think with that grounding couples wherever they are in their kind of walk of life can just head into opening their doors with a little less angst, a little less worry. Just enjoy that moment. Ever talked about how social media can actually deter people from having gatherings because they're not Pinterest perfect? There's a lot of insecurity out there. And you have to ask yourself, why are people letting something that they know isn't true make them feel insecure? Because there's a lack of something deeper there. There's a need for a more grounded spiritual life and a knowledge that you're not doing this for yourself or to show how perfect you or your your family is. So stop thinking of it like that. God needs your help to channel his life to other people and you're doing it for him, not for your image, you know. But man, it really does get people thinking about their image. Hospitality does not have to be expensive. People think of hospitality as something that you do sometimes when you make everything perfect and spend a lot of money on having people over. But we as Christians have to think of it as more of a way of life where we always have an open door. If you do live out a life where you always have an open door and your friends and family neighbors are coming and going, you become much more comfortable with them and much less obsessed with whether your house looks perfect or your life seems great or whatever, you know. The people who you're comfortable with, you don't clean up everything perfectly for them. You don't need much. Hospitality, in a sense, is simple. It's allowing your heart to be moved by the Holy Spirit to meaningfully love the person in front of you. Pretty napkins, tasty drinks, lemonade, uh, a good cup of coffee, a delicious cookie can all bring to life, so to speak, what you're trying to tell the person in front of you. You know, that they're good, that they're valued, that they're special. Let's turn to the parish context now. How can parishes better offer hospitality? Hospitality committees, outreach committees, groups, they're very important because they are tapping into this fundamental DNA of the Christian life, the way of life. I think it's important that the vision for hospitality not be reduced to a coffee hour. A coffee hour is great. Many parishes don't even have that. However, it's important that it be a vision that spreads through the whole parish. It's tied to evangelization. The church exists to evangelize. We have people moving into our parish on any given moment. Are they being welcomed in other people's homes? Are they being welcomed by the parish? And we have these beautiful sacramental moments when somebody has their child baptized, their heart is open. What a beautiful moment for a family in the church to welcome that person to their home, to share a little bit about their own faith and how they love their parish and what they do there. If we are missing these moments, then we are missing the low-hanging fruit. And a hospitality committee, an outreach committee, that might be the driver 
but it's just important that it not be reduced into a silo because it should be owned by the whole parish. I have to admit that coffee hours after mass have never been something that's exciting to me. But I do see that it could be a good time to connect or reconnect with friends who have kids, whose kids are running around the church basement, and so they can actually just talk. I, I don't think that we should be segregating ourselves, whether in our parish and communities and just Catholic communities in general, into like just the single people and just the married people talking to each other. I mean, I think that it is really good for there to be sort of like a mix of the demographics because I think it's more healthy and more normal. Certainly we can learn from each other, I think. Unfortunately, a lot of single people have the experience at church events or elsewhere of married people only talking about their kids and or things that only other parents will have something to respond to. Anna described a scene I know well at a party where she was the only single woman. I sat there for as long as I could take it and then I was just like, man, I just have nothing to contribute. And I just felt like, I felt very on the out. Like I felt like, like I can talk about my nieces and my nephews. It's not quite the same thing as having born children in your own body. Just something to think about as we talk about hospitality. A lot of it is just awareness and attentiveness. I remember I was shaking the hands of, a, of the pastor after mass and a woman was in front of me and she asked the priest, she's like, Father, can I get rebaptized? And he said, no, you know, one baptism is good. That covers you. And yet in my heart of hearts, I knew that oftentimes a woman, after she suffered an abortion, suffers it so deeply that she can desire that. You know, she desires to start over so deeply. So I did. I just casually said, you know, what's your name? And introduced myself. And this casual conversation grew then into one that was the deep sharing of hearts and the wound of abortion that she carried and the privilege then of walking with her along this journey of healing over the years. Parishes can facilitate community and offer hospitality through big events. Inter parish events, perhaps, regular social dances or even picnics or sport matches. I don't know. I, I would like to see more of this happening with parishes where everybody is welcome and everyone gets a chance to intermingle, I guess. And how about offering hospitality to the broader community? The opportunities and the ways, the expanse and horizon of it is as unique to each person and has limitless potential because the Holy Spirit is so darn creative. Why should we go out of our way for a stranger? <laughs> Life is tough. The pilgrimage is hard. And as we journey home towards that eternal rest, don't we want to give each other respite, provide for each other? As usual, much more could be said. But I'll leave you with one final note from Sister Agnes Day about why you should consider offering hospitality in an intentional way in the next week. That's my challenge to you. This week, have someone over, have multiple someones over, call someone you miss, and buy some tea. It's fun. Hospitality is fun, and it's part of the good life that we're called to and invited to as Christians. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything, except for the theme music, which is composed and produced by Michael Taylor. And then the new music is from First Com. <laughs>